nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun packed thrill filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have. I am Abda Al Wahid Masood bin Mohammed Al Anin, but today I'm fiendishly and cunningly disguised as Paul Carmichael. Good evening. I must say you're looking, uh, it's a rather f- arresting outfit you've got on today. Isn't it? Now then. So, last week I'd had the Indian garb on. This week it's the Moroccan. Look at this. Look at this. Wow. Isn't this stunning? Hang on. If forever I get on the chair... and ever and ever and ever. Exactly that. But look, I'll tell you what. If I can get on the chair, I might die. I'll show you how it looks. Hang on. <laughs> look at that. That's the full Demis. Isn't that? Oh, God. When you can hear me, I'll tell Isn't you. Isn't that again. That's stunning. the full Demis, that. Isn't it? Absolutely. That's lovely. So that's Moroccan. Is Morocco near to... Where was the, the Demis from? Greece? He was Greek, yeah. Yeah, I mean, early doors, he, he kind of dressed in jeans and stuff, doesn't he? Aphrodite's child, period, Demis. That's it, yeah, he does. And then, then... Uh, yeah, then he becomes Demis. He becomes Demis, and there he is in the full garb. Oh, absolutely. He was love an him. absolute... Uh, sex symbol in Greece. Oh, God, yeah. So, I well, mean, he is a good-looking the... boy in fairness. Oh, I mean, it he, wasn't he just the clothes. He is an ugly man. Yeah, not just the clothes. Man. And that's why, uh, with, with old uh, Abd al-Wahid Masood bin Muhammad al-Anin, um, who I said before, he's some, sort of a similar thing. Strikingly good-looking bloke. Who's um, he, then? So he's, uh, he's the Moroccan ambassador oh, who arrived in 1600. Um, okay. And went to court because we'd we'd had uh, we had fifty years of trade between uh, Morocco and us, and they would give us saltpeter so we could blow things up, and sugar was the other thing that came from there. Queen Elizabeth loved sugar, of course, and I think we sent back munitions and stuff like that in exchange. So we had fifty years of that and pies, obviously, and pies, export yeah. and uh, bread, all of these things we'd send, yes, and then. So he, he comes over with a delegation of 16 chaps in August 1600. And the idea is there's going to be a big alliance um, to, uh, to take on the Spanish. So it would have been us and Morocco against the Spanish. But then Elizabeth ruins it slightly by suddenly going, Oh, you're a Muslim, are you? Uh, would you like to convert? No. No, no they would not. When did the Spanish and the Moroccans stop fighting then? Because didn't the Moors occupy most of Spain, or all of Spain, for hundreds of years? They did, yeah. Well, well we stopped fighting, because of course, th- throughout the whole Elizabethan time, we're having a go at the Spanish, and they're having a go mm. at us. And so you've got this sort of, um, the idea of this relationship uh, built up between us and, and uh, the people You'd of Morocco. You'd have thought the Moors were, were natural allies, wouldn't you? Absolutely. But, uh, well, this is the thing. So we build this relationship up, and then she says, would you like to convert? They go, absolutely not, and go off back. But then when James I, apparently, comes to the throne, he just works out a peace treaty with Spain and ruins all the fun. But mm. but the point there um, about Demis looking beautiful is old uh, Abdur al-Wahid Masood, strikingly good-looking bloke. So if you imagine you're at court in 1600... And this bloke turns up with 15 of his best mates. And you're looking at him and you're thinking, oh, he looks different. Oh, he looks lovely, doesn't he? Oh, he sounds a bit different. He's got a different language. I wonder what he's talking about. Could he be talking about us? Oh, he looks odd. What's going on there? And so it, it progressed like that. Yeah. And that's where you get Othello. 
he's the inspiration for Othello. Oh, right. Okay. The whole then. thing. Yeah. Because, so when I, uh, reading about him this morning. You've been it's not doing your... preparation, dear. Well, I was just having a read this morning because I, I couldn't, I was getting something ready for work because we nearly have to go I watched back. the 1990 this morning then went for a big walk. It was great. Oh, well, that sounds okay. But, um... Here we are. Uh, you've got all these people and the way they're writing about them at the time because they get this big house on the strand and straight away everyone's like, why are foreigners being given a big house? Why haven't we got a big this house? This sounds like now. Doesn't it? It does a bit. Um, and then you get this chronicler uh, who wrote that they're strangely attired and behaviored. And that was food. Can't be doing that. And yeah. then apparently uh, they kill the meat within their own house. They look eastward when they care, when they pray. They use beads. And uh, yeah, who was it? John Chamberlain. Um, he rather liked them. Uh, but he was the only person everyone else was going, oh, a bit strange, go away. Mm. So we didn't have the alliance anymore. And sugar became more difficult to get, which is probably no bad thing because Elizabeth I didn't have any teeth left, did she? She had wooden teeth. Yes, that's right. So there you go. So I'm dressed as him in celebration of a trade thing falling apart. I love the uh, decal around the neck. That's nice. It's it's absolutely beautiful. I think you should go into work like that. I'm I'm genuinely thinking I might. I honestly think you should. I don't see why not. I'm getting a bit bored of normality when it comes to clothing. Well, that's it. Yeah. Normality is boring. It is. It's terribly boring. We I, are I wore it earlier on to put the bins out, and I got a few strange looks. And I wore it... <coughs> I was wearing it yesterday when the postman came and I opened the door, and I just forgot I was wearing it. And suddenly you're getting this very strange look up and down. So um, so I thought yesterday after that, I thought, well, look, get changed then. So I got changed, and I was, <laughs> I was watching some telly, some proper telly, mm. uh, watching a bit of uh, Manhunt, Yes, right. I've got mine on order. Excellent. We won't talk about that too much, and mm. I will tell you why in a minute, why we can't. Okay. okay. Um, so I'm watching that, and the opening titles, it says Manhunt across the middle in white on black, and then it zooms out, and it's the middle line of a swastika. So I'm just starting the swastika in a big and sort of surrounded by red. So I'm just starting a manhunt, and then... Knock at the door. Okay, right, fair enough. Pause, go to the door. It's the electricity man wants to come in and read the meter. Let him in, and he walks into the living room. I don't think anything about it. Bloody great. I don't think you swastika on it. Uh, (laughs) I managed to disturb two tradesmen yesterday. I'm quite proud of that. Normally, I can only disturb one a day. So it's like the Father Ted room, isn't it? It is a bit like that, yeah, except I'd probably be dressed as a Moroccan in the middle of it just to confuse it. Yeah, so it neutralises it. Yes, I think. I like to I'll tell you what I've always wanted, and I might buy one. I was thinking about this only this week. Those yeah. Moroccan tables. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah. The big round brass thing. Yes. Because they're meant to be packed on horse, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And then wherever you go, bof, here's a table. It's Absolutely. A big, lovely round brass disc. Yeah. That'd so be you just would you, would you put it on the wall or would you use it as a table? No, I'd use it as a table. What I'm thinking of doing with me uh, back room is redesigning it. So what I've got in there at the mo- at the moment is kind of like a Chesterfield suite, but I've got two of them. Right. So I've got one in the front room as well. So it's like I think I'll flog that and mm-hmm. just and I was gonna go for you know like floor cushions and one of those yeah. Moroccan tables because oh. if you've got one of them, you know I mean it's gonna be a bit tricky when people come round for food. It's just like uh, pull up a cushion, yeah, um, you know. Um, but then you know they know what I'm like, so they they'll just just you know take it as normal. Um, exactly. 
And uh, then if you don't want the table on the go, it's just a big brass disc. Oh, that's so then true. You just take it out the way and just put it yeah. in the corner, don't you? Oh, you yeah, know. that's true, actually. So no, I'm I thinking think of doing Although that. Although it's a shame, isn't it? Because your back room, um, mm. it's it's like, it's very Sherlock Holmes. It is, but I can move the piano back in there um, if I take the suite out of there. But it's like if you've seen Sherlock Holmes, you know how uh, influenced it all is by the East. I mean, Victorian Britain was very sort of... You know, we had that whole period, didn't we, when um, I think it was... The Diamond Jubilee, which is, what's that, 1890-summer or other? Uh-huh. You see all over the country, don't you, Jubilee Terrace, and it's yeah. got the date on There's so many of them built, or Jubilee yeah, yeah. Crescent or whatever it might be. I can't believe it. it must be 1893. Must No, seven. It must be 1897, because she yes, came to is. the throne in 1837. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you had that whole period, didn't you, when that was on of... Um, Chinese influence stuff really took over. That's why Gilbert and Sullivan wrote the Mikado. Well, oh, they maybe were part of what was called the Shinoiserie movement, which mm. was Chinese stuff. Mm. And that's why, you know, the bandstand in Sefton Park, it's got all the Oriental sort of uh, cast iron work on it. Yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. Because it's all that Shinoiserie stuff. But Sherlock Holmes is very um, empire, isn't it? There's so much Indian stuff in there, so much Chinese stuff in there. If you watch The Sign of Four, uh, the Granada one. Oh, man. It's beautiful. What, those people who bought those props and dressed those sets knew what they were doing. It, so it, you it, would but, have been absolutely fine in Victorian Britain. Oh, I would have been. Well, well you I would mean, be because, anyway. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because they, they would sort of... It's not, it's not that they really embraced it, because at the end of the day, it would still have been a bit foreign and therefore wrong. Because we had the Empire. I don't know. I think they were a lot more cosmopolitan. Have you ever read Diary of a Nobody? Yes. Gross, Grossmith's book. Yeah. So if, if you read that, you'll see that um, they were a lot more cosmopolitan than we give them credit for. I mean, we're talking about people in cities here. Well, we are, but of we're a still certain talking class. about this. What? Of a certain class. Well, this is the thing. It's a certain class for a start, isn't it? But you've still got Your that people. weird confliction going on between... The Victorian values and this desire to learn and all this sort of stuff. So there is still an odd. Ah, but there was a sort. It was an age of conformity, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. So we kind of established the likes of the Gurkha and the Sikh regiments. Mm. So we were obviously able. How? I mean, it's it's really. Um, if you read about it, I think I'm right in saying there were fifty thousand British troops. That controlled something like a hundred million Indians. Yes, that's I right. I think I'm right in saying that. And uh -huh. they did that simply by pitting each group against each other. Yeah. But um, they did the usual trick, didn't they, of making the ruling class Anglo-Indian. Yeah. You know, they they sort of marry into. It's like the Roman Romano-Britain um, rulers, isn't it? Yeah. No, you absolutely. Know, the but then you do also see that's the interesting thing. I think is that at the same time as this. I mean, when is it they start excavating Pompeii? That's 1700s. And so, which coincides with the young chaps going off on the grand tour, of course, mm. and bringing things back. But equally, you've got that whole thing of they want what they're seeing and they want what they're bringing back. Absolutely. Stealing. They want it to conform to those values oh, and yeah, that yeah, belief well, look, that they have of what the classical world should be. Look at the temple in Karnak in Egypt where they went round and just chiselled all the phalluses off. Absolutely, yeah. You so know, you it's, get that. It's the same and thing. there's the 
cultural you know that vandalism. statue there's a statue that i love um the statue of pan um but it's is a, he's fucking a goat um and and that's a, you know it's a beautiful statue uh, and it's it's not really bestial in a way because it looks really romantic because he's he's having sex with the goat in the missionary position and I see. and it's beautifully sculpted but when it was shown at the British Museum about oh it must be about 4 years ago now they put a warning on it so that people would know what they were about to see because apparently some people were so offended even now by this statue well, I what a bloke fucking a goat just to pan it's you pan fuck one goat, goat. <laughs> <laughs> but pan would have sex with anything wouldn't he I mean, trees. Oh, yeah, yeah, everything. yeah. That's the that's the whole so point. So I think it? for the Victorians, then you've got that sudden thing of, well, we know who Pat is. He skips around with his pan pipes, and he's all, oh, he's shagging a goat. Hmm. And that wouldn't have quite conformed. So certainly, there's a fascination and there's a love. But if you look at the Mikado, it's not exactly sort of a serious representation of life in the East, is it? It's no, it was, and I'm so I've just sort of given a really kind of very simplistic version of um, imperial rule in India, anyway. But mm-hmm. I'll continue along that sort of logical thought process. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the Mikado was part of the Shinwazari movement or if it exploited it. I've no idea which. Mm. But um, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, you know, like Angelina Jolie, will uh, I'll wear a sari or something like that, and then it'll be pushed. As part of a, you know, this summer's must-have fashion item. Things yeah. don't change all that much. No. You know? But if you read Diary of a Nobody, there's some fantastic stuff in that. It's very interesting. Um, mm. And it's like this closed-off thought we have of people in antiquity that they were really narrow-minded and they didn't travel and all this, that and the other. But if you, you know, I know you won't read the Bible, but um, contained within the Bible and other sort of contemporaneous documentation is it was quite people there was a lot of trade there was a lot of travel you know things oh god yeah things actually arrived in this country from the far east you know well that's exactly it like old uh abda well were he i can't say it again I've, oh no I've but i mean back in gone. antiquity oh yeah absolutely I'm, but I, we, that, that trade was constant it's a constant thing isn't it but then hmm. You know, it's not as though we we never had trade. Trade was a constant. Well, so, it's like uh, when they've analysed the mummies, isn't it? And they've got cocaine mm. and tobacco traces. Well, yes. So it's kind of like, oh right, okay. But, the, but you've got that. that you've, then, you've got the similarity of the architecture between you know these mm. beautiful monolithic structures, and they're separated by entire continents. I mean, well, by pure chance, you might have had precisely the same thought. Or people travelled. Ah, no. There's too many. Uh, there's too many similarities. I mean, one of the yeah. interesting thing about ancient architecture is the nubs. If you've ever looked that up, the nubs, N-U-B-S. No, go on. I haven't. So you'll see on these rocks occasionally, like a rounded bump, right? And they call them the nubs. And there's a lot of debate about what they are. You know, did they mould these stone blocks? Did they have some kind of process whereby they could liquefy rock, you know, heat it, and then yeah. mould it? What are the nubs for? Aren't there nubs on top of the sarsens at Stonehenge so that the other, so that the tops could slot yeah. on as well? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of that thing, but, well, I don't know, because I've only seen photos on the internet. They look smaller. I mean, some right. of the... Uh, 
some of the architecture is just crazy. Mm. I mean, obviously, we don't know how they did it. We've no idea how they do it. I've got two theories, mm. which may be coexistent. I don't know. But... Come on. Well, either firstly, as is evidenced in the Bible, if you choose to take that as a historical document or not, uh, there's the, the, the giant humans. Nephilim. Bigger people than us. Nephilim, that's it, mm. yeah. So there's that uh, idea. Maybe there were a race of maybe humans were a lot bigger back then no idea mm. um i don't think there's any archaeology archaeological evidence to support that no um, they found some big skeletons haven't they 12 footers and stuff like that over the years child of hell's dad yeah they've found the old big thing yeah i'm sure they have um uh -huh. But then you've got the um, the evolutionary history being rewritten all the time, like the Denisovan man and stuff like that. You mm. know, they find a partial skeleton of a new race of humans we never knew existed that's 17,000 years old in uh, the caves in Denisova in Siberia. Mm. And um, that's remarkable. But yeah. what's even more remarkable is the, the bracelet that the skeletons were in. Because on the bracelet is a red bead that's got a machine-drilled hole perfectly through the middle of it. So mainline archaeology have no explanation for how we had a, a fixed drill. But isn't do. that one of the lovely things, is the fact that we don't know stuff. I just love the fact that we don't know what colour dinosaurs were. None of them. Hmm. We couldn't tell you. There's no, no way of knowing what... Well, they could have been pink, which I rather like the thought of that, a pink velociraptor. Well, the the current theories is that they were feathered. Yeah. <laughs> feathered. Don't know what's up with me this morning. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, no, we'll never know. And that's the great thing about sort of speculation, isn't it? I mean, yeah. when, you, when it's like at the Great Pyramid. You know, you've seen those big gudgeons, haven't you, that the doors swing on? Mm -hmm. You know, the big... You know what a gudgeon is, right? I don't mean... Is that the, the pivoting thing? Yeah, it's like a... Uh, a sort of pivot yeah. and a little thing. Yeah, and yeah. also the name of Peter Salas's character in Ghosts of Motley All, so that's nice. Isn't it? There we are. Is he Gudgeon? Yes, he is. Or is the is Arthur English Gudgeon? I don't know. Well, it's not what I'm familiar with yet. Oh, it's lovely. Um, yeah, and where they buggered up one of the hinges, there's a hole drilled in the wall. Mm. And obviously because it's thousands of years old the repair has fallen out whatever they stuck in there to cover it up uh -huh. and that's that's again it's a machine drilled hole so you can't drill firstly you can't drill granite with copper which is what they claim is all they had mm. so it's unexplained so my other theory on how they built them mm. was using sound waves go mm. on so the noise that uh sorry the frequency that is achieved you know by those monks who do the om thing you know om yeah that that thing uh is the exact frequency <laughs> of, of that background noise of the universe it's precisely that frequency right. so you know the speculation is that that is a, a sort of hangover from ancient knowledge of sound waves and it's like new grange in northern ireland you can stand at one end of it and like whisper and hear it on the other so there was obviously a very sophisticated understanding of sound and waves and stuff mm. and then you've got all the things like the mandalas haven't you which are kind of representations of sound waves and stuff yeah. like that so my my theory, my my brontosaurus theory which is main um <laughs> is there was some understanding of sound and how it could move objects I think certainly with uh, when it comes to acoustics, th mm. there was a hell of a lot more 
known than we would have thought of. I mean, you know, again, the ancient Greek theatres, you can stand in the centre of them and just talk and be heard. Well, it's but, look at look at Plato's study of sound. Mm-hmm. You know, the music of the spheres, the golden ratio and all those other things, you know, the thirds, the fifths, the sevenths, the ninths, they all come from Greek mathematicians. So music and sound was obviously more of an intrinsic part of society. Otherwise, why would the mathematicians go to such lengths to devise musical scales and to fathom out the intervals and how it works and the intonation on a guitar and stuff like that? Well, exactly. Know? And also that whole, the, the thing I always love is when you look in those Greek theatres and you've got the great big holes in the structure and they had these massive glass jam jar sort of things that they were that placed throughout the whole structure so that the sound could bounce off. But of course, they were perfectly positioned so that when you talked, you talk into one of them and there's one over there that it goes into and that's angled just right to hit that one and so the sound goes around the whole structure that's phenomenally clever so there you go i mean ancient Mm. civilizations and sound they had a much closer relationship i don't doubt it at all did you hear that i didn't send it you there's uh, a recording that's just been released there and you can listen to the sound of you know the um what are they called the pillars of creation that constellation looks Mm. beautiful um and it's five trillion miles away and they've they've recorded the sound that that makes have they really though yes right so you oh so you're suspicious of nasa but you'll believe that giants did things oh no i don't i I don't believe anything i'm giving you my speculation i've no idea that's that's what we're talking about speculation it's fun because we'll never know it is um so um how has the sound travelled here when it's trillions of years away? That's my right, I haven't question. read a thing about it. I saw it mm. on Twitter and I thought, ooh, must send that to Mike and forgot. I'll I'm look not, into I'm it. not saying it's not true, you know, but NASA have been known for doctoring the colour on photos and stuff like that, haven't they? Oh, we all do that sort of thing. We and aren't to... a lot of those uh, photographs of the stars, aren't they sort of hand-painted, some of them? I've not heard that. Yeah, and you, I used to know a girl and her dad was... Who did he work for? Whoever in this country is governmental, you know, the space agencies and that. And I was round the house and it was just like... I was just like wowed by, you know, the Crab Nebula and, and all this other stuff. And she's like, oh, you know they're touched up, don't you? They're all manipulated. I was like, no. No, I didn't. <laughs> I quite like these pictures, thanks. Yeah. And I was... You know, your mind is wondering about what's there and... Stuff but like this that. is the thing, because then science catches up, and the next thing, you've got the Hubble Space Telescope, and that's giving you... Uh, here's an image. Apparently you know. still manipulated and touched up. I've, I, I don't know. That is what she told me. Okay. But then there's that great guy who took the photos when we did the Union Chapins, uh, Chapel, uh, Stephen Helixer, who took yes. some great photographs of the show, and his whole hobby is taking photos of the stars and planet oh man he's brilliant mm. his, his photographs are brilliant so yeah. he'd be the man i should ask really i think so because we we're back we in the man in the pub territory here it know. is yeah we should get him on and have a chat <laughs> of course they doctor on a space photo <laughs> yeah of a guinness um but yeah, yeah i mean um speculation is wonderful um yeah no it you, is you know is. um i don't pretend i know that there were giants or sound that's a because I have given it so much thought how they built these things, how they built the South American monument. I mean, the amazing thing now 
is because I mean, it's sad, but it's also amazing because they're clearing so much of the rainforest. Mm. We're now seeing, thanks to drones and stuff like that, the footprints of gigantic cities, which would have supported millions of people in that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the, this sort of, uh, is it Vasquez, the cities of gold? Stories yes. And stuff? Yeah. You know how he said, oh, there are cities of built of solid gold and da 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 da. Mm. And then the story we were told at school was, oh, yeah, then they went back down the whatever the river is that goes right through it. Uh, and there was nothing there. Well, yeah. I mean, that was 75 years later for a kickoff. Mm. And if Vasquez took some, you know, European pathogen that they had no immunity to, it would explain a lot, wouldn't it? I mean, it would. You know. So anyway, I find that fascinating, and and also the happy aspect is with geophys, we mm. don't need to clear the rainforest to find evidence of settlement. No. You know. So it is showing there were huge cities supported the Amazon. That'll be the river, won't it? Seeing as it's the Amazonian yes, rainforest, South America. Yeah. Yes, it would be. Thinking yeah. about so it. So there's a there's a school of thought in um, I suppose alternative archaeology that America. Uh, was actually the old world. And mm. then we had the cataclysm, the flood, whatever it may be. There's so much evidence in the scablands up in Minnesota of absolute devastation when the Ice Age ended. Yeah. You know, in uh, the Nevada desert, I think I'm right in saying, you know, there's little ripples on the beach when the uh -huh. tides come in and out. There's there's some there that are 50 miles high. Not 50. 50 miles high. 50, uh, sorry, 50 foot high. Uh -huh. so, so some water really wazzed across that continent. Um, so they're saying there was an old world the the survivors in the bit that didn't get flooded, you know, a few yeah. thousand years later, we rediscover, rediscover the old world, call it the new world. It's well, the Vikings were there, weren't they? They, they found were. Viking, uh, they uh, were, yeah. Viking. In Newfoundland. Yeah. Yeah. So and there's a Native American legend about a tribe with red hair and blah, blah, blah. And then they did find a skeleton, didn't they, in a cave. Which had shocking a shock of um, red hair. Yeah, mm. so it sort of makes sense. Well, it's strange, isn't it? Because it's shrouded. Because up in Minnesota, where all the Scandies went to go logging in the late nineteenth century, there's mm. all those settlements up in Minnesota. You know, there's all those settlements. And then that guy, I've discovered a rune stone, mm. that, and I think it's still there in the town uh, in up in Minnesota. Um, you know, this rune stone that was left by the Vikings. It's not yeah. true. But Vinland, as they called it, is yeah. is definitely yeah, Newfoundland. They've got those uh, thingies there, isn't there? Roundhouses. Yes, Scandi there are, Scandi yeah. roundhouses. Yeah. yeah. So it makes... But then there's also... Because um, when was it that there was a tsunami just down south? Wasn't it only in the 1500s or something? Because, I mean, there's loads of evidence of tsunamis that we've had here, great floods. There was mm -hmm. one in Norfolk about 8,000 years ago they found evidence of. But I'm fairly sure there was one in the 1500s as well, um, where entire villages were swept away by this sudden drive, wall of water. Well, there was one up. in the 1950s caused by the RAF using weather modification. I hadn't heard of the last bit. I'd heard of the former bit. What? Sorry, did I break up? No, no, I hadn't heard the last... I mean, I hadn't heard the weather modification bit. Yeah, yeah, that was an article in The Guardian about 10 years ago. The, it's been declassified. Hang on, I'll uh, have a oh, look. One. Uh, a tsunami, I think it was the 1950s. Because I, I, I had heard that there had been a tsunami, a massive flood. Was that... Is that go. on the West Coast? Uh, RAF rainmakers caused 1952 flood. This is The Guardian. 
Unearthed documents suggest experiment-triggered torrent that killed 35 in Devon disaster. Oh, August blimey. 15th, 1952, one of the worst flash fl floods ever to have occurred in Britain swept through the Devon village of Lynmouth. 35 people died as a torrent of 90 million tonnes of water and thousands of tonnes of rock poured off saturated Exmoor and into the village, destroying homes, bridges, shops and hotels. The disaster was officially termed the Hand of God, but new evidence from previously classified government files suggests that a team of international scientists working with the RAF was experimenting with artificial rainmaking in southern Britain in the same week and could possibly be implicated. So there you go. Blimey. Well, mm. just quick check myself there. There's been um, three tsunamis since 1755. Mm. Doesn't surprise me, though. I mean, no. you've got that whole, the whole south is... Uh, did you remember that thing that happened? Was it Boscastle in the 90s? Yeah. Or summer. I can't remember. Okay. It's been shit the weather lately anyway. I blame the RAF. Weather well, has been boffins. shit. Proper yeah. shit. It turns beautiful tomorrow, though, apparently. What, we're we sat in work? Yeah, we're going back to work, and apparently it's Fantastic. going to be sunshine all day, dear. Just sunshine, just because we're going back. Sunshine indoors. Yeah, there we go. So anyway, uh, enough rambling. Nice yes. things. Nice what things. Got? What have you got? Uh, nice things this week. Well. 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 <laughs> um, I, I got a nice thing, which originally I got in 1990. Um, oh. And it was such a nice thing. And it took me a good while to track it down. No internet, of course. So I actually had to do some proper footwork to track this thing down mm. in 1990. But then I was going away for a weekend, an orchestral weekend. Ooh. And, ooh, I know. Just, just up no to... No more buttered we're, scones for me Gra later. Yeah, over, over to Grange over, I think we were somewhere like that, to go canoeing and play the vibe. Proper spoiled to you. Proper little brat. I'd have loved that. <laughs> an orchestral weekend. Yes, it was lovely. Yeah, I didn't like that. I thought you were moaning about it. No, I wasn't moaning about it. However, however, I got this nice thing the day before I had to go. Mm. And do you ever get that feeling when you get something that's so nice? And it's, oh, no, I don't want to leave it there. In I case... had to do that at the weekend. I had some nice stuff arrive just before I left. I was like, oh. Uh, and you had to leave it at home? Mm. Oh, I see. I, yes. like I think for me, this dates back to about 1986 when we got burgled, right? And Ooh, you were posh oh, enough to be burgled. Oh, well, straight away the fear was because I think our guinea pigs had just had babies. So it's like, shit, are the guinea pigs okay? Guinea pigs are fine. And then, like, boring, normal stuff had gone, like, you know, the video and the telly and stuff like that had gone. But then, weird things. And one of the things that got stolen was I had a copy of the Doctor Who Dalek Omnibus by Terence Dix. Still with, got mine. Yeah, with three yeah, lovely hardback thing with three stories and that got stolen. So maybe that's left me with this fear of leaving things when I when I go away. So anyway, so I went off to Castlehead to my orchestral weekend and I took this lovely thing with me and I was thinking, well, what can I do with it to make sure? Because I, I got it there and I thought there's no point having it here now. I'll hide it and then I'll take it home afterwards. So I put it on top of the wardrobe of the little dorm room I was in and of course I bloody well left it there. Uh, never to be seen again. Oh, however, man. however, 33 years later, <coughs> I've tracked it down. I've got it. It's a copy. It's the 12-inch single of the theme from... Oh, Star what? The dreadful. theme from Starcops. That was such a build-up. This is the most exciting thing I've got lately. This is wonderful. Ruined orgasms with Paul Carmichael. No, because, it, it, right, side two, it's just got the theme music and a bit of incidental music produced by Tony Visconti, it should be said. Oh. 
Ooh, yeah. However, cheeky. side one has got an extended version of the theme music, sung by Justin Hayward of the music Moody Blues, and again produced by Visconti. And oh, oh, you've not seen Star Cops, have you? Mm. Oh, Don't fancy it. No, it's brilliant. Is it? Honest to God, it's so well done. It's it's one of these annoying things. Again, it's that mid eighties thing where. Where we, where we were still doing a bit of science fiction, mm. but then you got people like Graydon who went, oh, we can't do it as well as the Americans. We'd have to spend money, so just cancel it all. Stupid bastard. What was that thing Pertwee did that was on a Sunday morning on Channel 4 telly? Star Quiz or something. Oh, I don't remember that. It was like you were being interviewed by a robot, not a robot, uh, an AI computer, and they put like a tag. Oh, Star Test! Star test. There you go. So in my head, it's just star test, but with policemen. No, it's that's it's like a cross between Bergerac and like Bergerac. Well, basically, it's like Bergerac in space. As it got uh, Lisa Goddard in a bikini as yeah, a sort got of that, posh no. diamond thief. No, because they're all up in in zero gravity. They'd all be floating. Should be in a about. space suit, space bikini. Space bikini would be Space good. bikini. There's right, no I'd space bikinis. Mm. Nothing like that, I'm afraid. But Who's no, in I it? Love Come it. on then, hit me. Hit me up. Who's in it? Uh, okay, so um, it is David Calder, fine Shakespearean actor. Don't Have a Google, him. you'll recognise him. I will. He's in everything. You've got look. him. You've got Trevor Cooper, who plays uh, everything as well. I mean, what fantastic. Was he called? David oh. what? Uh, David Calder. Let's have a look at him. Go on. Oh, I like him. There you go. Isn't um, he Knights of God, though? No, no, he's not in Knights of God. I'm having a watch of that at the moment. I don't... Well, he's. I've only seen the first three. He's not in that. Um, okay, episode, I know him. Episode 7, guest stars Jeffrey Bailden. We like him. We like him. Let's have a Google of Star Cops, and I'll have a look at an image. Go on, have a little look. Um, it's... Right, so basically, to give you the reason why it was taken off... It looks the, very cheap. It's not, though. They spent quite a lot of money on it. Oh, I like I, that grumpy-looking fellow with the beard. Who's he? Um, Jonathan Adams playing the Russian chap. Who? John who? Jonathan Adams. He specialised in playing Russians. Ah, uh, I don't know if it's... Uh, okay. Right, so. The original plan is they're going to make ten episodes, but then there's a strike, so they could only do nine, right? But then it's all set to go BBC One for the autumn. But Michael Grade doesn't like sci-fi, so he it goes, is Jonathan no, I don't Adams. Want it. Yeah, I like him. Right. So all of a sudden, it's demoted from going out in September '87 on BBC One, and they go, "Oh, shove it out in August on BBC Two at like 7:55." Mm. So it's not even going out on the hour. So no one saw it, and it's it's bloody good stuff. Is Chris it? Boucher as your writer, he's good. I'm, it's I, good. I don't know. I don't know. What what year was it? 91 or something? 87. 87. Yep. Right. That's just around about the time I stopped watching the telly and Graham Harper girls. directing. We oh, like Graham. We like Graham a lot. We do. Uh who went in and the first thing he said was turn the lights down. Which is always Graham Harper's thing. He always says turn the lights down. Mm, that's why Caves is so good. Yeah. So so that arrived and oh it's Glorious stuff. It's a proper BBC record spinning around. Oh. I bet it's very flexible. 
Oh, oh, it's very thin. Yeah, the the vinyl got thin round about eighty seven, didn't it? Yeah, no, it's a very thin. It's like a little wobble board thing. So that turned up. Uh, what else did? Um, charity shop bargain of the week. All right, not quite the same as my likely lads thing. Certainly not a Pingu DVD. Uh, for one pound, the complete first series of I didn't know you cared from nineteen seventy five. Pardon, I heard that. There we go. Um, oh, lovely. With them from. What's his name from Last of the Summer Wine? Who used Which to run one? the cafe? Ray Mort. Ray no. Mort. It no, is. What's his name? He used to run the cafe, Ray Mort. Wasn't it John something? Do you mean the fat fella? Yeah. Ray Mort's in it as well, though, isn't he? Uh, doesn't say him. Oh, I thought Ray Mort was in. I didn't know you could. Uh, is it Robin, Robin Bailey? Bailey? John Comer, John Comer, that's John it. John Comer, yeah. Uh, Liz Smith. Love Liz yep. Smith. Yeah, uh, Anita Curry and Stephen Rea. <coughs> so got that for a quid. Wasn't Anita uh, Curry uh, the one in Curry? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think she was. Not sure, but I'll be giving that a go. And also, oh, this bugger turned up. Yeah, there Anita Curry core. There we are, a family at war. Ah, lovely. Yeah, I'm sort of holding off on buying that. Oh. And bec- and it's because of the strike where some of them are in black and white. Well, yeah, but they're not going to remake them for you. They're all dead. Hey, the what? Well, why are you holding off because of the strike? You can't. They're not. They're not going to because release some colours. of them are black and white. Right. Well, when they recolorize them, I'll buy them. Well, I really can't see that they're going to bother recolorizing a family at war. How many are black and white? Uh, well, the strike was about three months, wasn't it? So mm. it'd be about nine of them. Nine out of fifty-two. Mm. That's not bad. That's I know, bad. it's just I've got so much to watch because of you. I know. I've got to put a new shelf up. Yeah. Right up there. Yep. And I've not got round to that yet. And it's all, when you're as strange as me, it's kind of like, right, well, you can't record that song till you put that shelf up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, is, is, this a, is this a Catholic thing? You're trying to guilt no, trip yourself? No, it's a me thing. Are you sure? Yeah, I know. I know how mad I am. So That's you why the can't... guitars are back behind me now. Right. But you're not allowed everything. to play them until the shelf's up? No. Is that because something will happen? No, it's just because it's like, oh, there's mess. No, stop. Get rid of the mess, and then I can think clearly. Okay. Mm. Fair I enough. Know. I told you it was me. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. It's not me, it's you. It's not you. Have you got anything me. nice this week yourself, then? I have. This T-shirt, for example, that was meant oh, to arrive for our lovely. filming. Yes. There we go. There we are. The slowest eBay seller ever. Uh-huh. Dispatched its second class. And, um, yeah, on the Morrison's table. Uh, in Morrison's, there's a table where there's books and you put oh, yeah. 50p in the little thing. So I saw this, uh, Name of the Rose. Oh. Which is um, Simon and other people have shown me a Stonewall classic, the Umberto Echo book. Yeah. What I like about this, and I've not changed it, is they folded it over there. Mm. Uh, so they got... Let's have a look. How many pages in? Oh, you don't get page numbers in that. You have to suss it out. It's it's part of the mystery of the book. Um, no, no page numbers. Just the word terse. T-E-R-C-E. Oh. And then numbers across the top that say... Want, oh, no, they are page numbers. It's my eyes. They've gone west. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they got to page 120. And then so I'm kind of away. respecting that till I dig into it. The film's fantastic. I tr- well, I start. I watched it last Christmas, but uh, this was post a Christmas party I've been to where it was like, it's Christmas, there is trifle, there is cake, I'm going to let my hair down. Right. 
big mistake. Mm. I have never been so sick since I was about nine. Yes. I was just lay on the floor in front of the fire, curled up, trying to watch the name of the rose like that. <laughs> and then I had uh, about three massive projectile vomits, and I was all right. Oh, there you are. Is that Christian Slater? Yeah. Sean Connery. That's it. So it's about 1987 again? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. But it's all about it. semiotics, isn't it? for a it? very long time. So it's all about semiotics, I think. Language yeah. and shit. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read that. That's that's in the winter pile, obviously, with everything Excellent. else. And then uh, there was a, uh, I've been having a spate, uh, a Johnny, if you like, of buying annuals to complete the collection. So I've been going expensive, right. obviously, because the ones I haven't got are only from the early fifties and stuff like that. So plugging gaps. Yeah. So Dandy nineteen sixty two, a very fine example. Oh, that's, oh, that's in good nick, isn't that's it? That's in good nick. Yeah, it was about 30 quid, it should be. Oh. Uh, and then there was a chap on the Beano's Collectors Forum on ah. Bookface. Uh, I got this for a 10 in 1955. The spine's all right. That's all right, yeah. It's not bad, it's a bit tatty. So 1955 fills a gap. And then the Beezer Book 66, which I, I could have sworn I'd got. So Chappie had, that's a lovely, lovely example. Lovely that example. Is. But he was also selling other things oh. which needed consultation with you. So I also got The Hanged Man. There we go. On DVD. It's it's just for the title sequence alone. Oh, it's, I mean. It's just fantastic. It's, it's wonderful. Colin that's... Blakely on a digger. Oh. Oh, it's wonderful. And he goes over the edge of that pier. Oh, it's honest to God, the Hangman. It's it's a beautiful bit. Of, is it Yorkshire Television? I think. Um, I think it is, but let's. Oh, I think it'll say on the back. You'll have the little does. chevron. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yorkshire yeah. made so many good dramas. They made such good stuff uh, throughout the seventies. Really excellent examples of television. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it, but good. unfortunately, it goes in the pile with all the other shit that you told yeah, to buy, including the pile Manhunt. is growing isn't it i think i think i think i've got enough growing. for the winter oh i'll be fine for the winter you know i yeah. can burn it all if everything fails like you know there you so go we'll be all so, right yes so i've done that anyway um it's it's uh of course uh, it's world mosquito day mm, world mosquito day today which i was thinking was quite strange to celebrate mosquitoes because they're right bastards but I had a quick look, and it's not to celebrate the mosquito. Um, August the 20th, uh, it's the anniversary of Sir Ronald Ross. I love that idea, Sir Ronald Ross. Mm. I bet he was a cracking chap. Uh, who in 1897 um, discovered... Um, mosquitoes. Uh, no, he, he, he uh, finally understood disease transmission and the role that mosquitoes play in it. There ah. you go. Have you been bitten well, by a mosquito? Yes, many oh, times. I don't get bitten anymore since I stopped eating processed, well, sugar. Really? Yeah, they don't bite you. They don't like you. Don't I taste don't get nice bitten half as much as I used to. I got bitten the other day, though. But there's not as many insects full stop, do you not think? I mean, it's like last week I drove down south, mm. and, you know, you'd expect generally, you know, the windscreen and the number plate to be covered. Yeah. Nope. I mean, you don't get bothered by wasps anymore, really, do you? I did. I got bothered on here last week, but not as frequently. No. 
I mean, if you remember, what, 95, 96, those summers, you'd be sat in a beer garden, you'd have to have a beer mat on top of your beer when you weren't drinking. Not that yeah. I ever weren't drinking, so I didn't yeah. need the beer mat. Yeah. Um, pints just went down in one, obviously. It was 1995. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they were like invasions of wasps, weren't they? Well, I wonder how much of that is because, I mean, how much of the, the old hedgerows have we lost? Loads of that and spraying a, crops with oh, shite. There's a wonderful program I found from I think it's 72, which is uh, a BBC 72 nature program called Protecting Nature's Hedgerows, um, which all talking about the importance of it. And right there, they're saying, look, if you don't have the hedgerows, then we're going to start losing things. And they mention insects, and then they of course mention birds. And that's something that I noticed when we had the old, you know, the proper first lockdown when it was like survivors. Mm. I thought I'd be hearing a hell of a lot more birds, especially living here. Mm. But no. no. So. Mm. I know it is concerning. Yeah. But I mean, how do we get here? Mosquitoes. 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 I mean, if you. I don't know about now, but in the past, when I've left like a bucket of water in the garden or something, or a bucket in the rain, you know, mm. you end up with a bucket full of mosquito larvae, don't you? Mm -mm. You know. So you put bleach in it and sling it down the sink obviously uh yeah. the grid um but yeah i'm not i'm not certain i've not been bothered i don't know if they were the same thing but the thing i got bitten by lots and lots when i was a, a kid was midges oh god yeah now are they the same thing or are they a different thing i've often wondered no was, no they're a different thing, they're a different midges. thing yeah they, they are. were bastards i used to get my legs used to come up like that mm. calamine lotion oh i used to be smothered in that mm. I loved the smell of it. I can't remember what it smelled like. I can remember what germaline smelled like because them little um, palmer violets tasted of it. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, that's mm. right. No, no, um, calamine lotion. Oh, it was a remarkable smell. And I loved the fact that, you know, you could just smear it on and look all chalky and interesting. Mm. Like Jim Davidson. Yes. So. Caroline lotion, my nan used to call it. <laughs> Did she? Jim Davidson's been in uh, the news this week, hasn't he? He's crazy. Well, he's in up. the news a lot. He keeps. He's in the uh, news a lot. Yeah. He keeps being interviewed by GB News. Yes. Well, so he, he would. Pop, he pops up there all the time, shouting about how he can't get on telly anymore, failing to realise that he's on telly. Um, I didn't know he'd been in the. It's news not real telly, though, is it? Well, no. So he has a point. He does. But then again, he had a really good run. I mean, some, that's the thing, isn't it? You're not going to be on telly forever unless you're Bruce Forsyth. And at the end of the day, Davison got to take over the generation game. That's a pretty good gig. He had yeah, that. but he spends all his money on divorces, doesn't he? And, and he, fines he does for drink driving. A lot on that. What was stuff. that bloody awful sitcom he did? Up the Elephant and Round the Castle. Awful. I know, it, it comes up very often when we talk about everything. It, it, it does. It all does. roads lead I, to Jim Davidson. Yeah, and I get it confused with that other one that only ran for one series. You remember Bottle Boys? Yeah, Robin Asquith. I can yeah. sing the whole theme. I'm not going to. Oh, that was crap. I loved Bottle Boys as a kid. Really? I loved Bottle Boys. There was another series with him. I'm getting it wrong, you know, when I said on. it was one with George Sewell and Harry Tube, because that was another sit sitcom he did where he was uh, an old, um, a chauffeur in a big house. He was, and Joan Sims was in it. Yeah. 
What was that called? Right, don't Google this one. We're going to work this one out. I'm not going to Google out. it. It was something like, please, sir, I'll get Jim. Home, on. home, home, James. Home, James. There home, you James. Go. There you go. Home, James. <laughs> there we go. Because the elephant around the castle was him looking into camera a lot, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. As I remember it, I mean, I would have been about nine or something like that. Was that just I, reactions, or did he do little asides? Well, the or... thing is, today I've got to go down the pub. And duh, 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 duh. Oh, here he comes. All right, yeah. That, it was that sort of thing. Oh. I suppose oh, it was a kind of stand-up, but yeah, Home James it was. I mm. loved Home James. Really? Yeah. Why? I was obsessed with carry-ons. Harry Tube and John Sims. I mean, Harry Tube isn't in carry-on at your convenience much but he's uh, the American um, they go to watch a film a sex education film at the cinema and Harry Tube is like now we will look at the female sexual organs <laughs> cut to Bernie um, Breslau sat in the audience cool <laughs> and then it comes back to Harry Tube who's mopping his brow <sighs> anyway so <laughs> anyway so for me it was like carry on people uh, Harry Tube's fantastic oh yeah one of my favourite actors ever. Whatever I watch him in. Hmm. I couldn't even put my finger on what it is. Is he just bloody good? And that's it. And sometimes you can't even quantify what these people it's just do. just presence. It's just yeah. presence, in it? He's great. But that's why I liked Home James. That probably ran for about nine series. So he's got to have a few conkers stashed away. He needs to stop marrying strippers or whatever he does. Well, I think that would help him, absolutely, mm. because if you've done the Generation game, you've done all your sitcoms, you should at that point be able to go, I've bought the big house, now I shall stop. You wouldn't see me ever it. again. Yeah. I oh, wouldn't I'd be like interested that. in being on the telly. That'd be enough, wouldn't it? <sighs> do me. You've done it, so yeah. that'll do. I'd just uh, spend my days chilling out, as they yes. say. Yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, I could do that. Uh, how does he relate to mosquitoes again? Hang on, how did we get to him? Don't know. You said don't about he being in the news this week. Okay. Yeah. Has he? Well, he has. Well, I don't know. I went on Twitter, didn't I, the other day? Oh. And it said trending Jim Davidson, but it generally does. Oh, he'll have, said, he'll have said something on GB News. They'll have clipped it. And yeah. then that will be, and everyone goes, oh, oh what an awful man. Yeah, it's yeah. the usual Twitter bullshit. Twitter's isn't shit, isn't it? I, I used to struggle staying off Twitter, but mm. not at all. No, it is. I, it's I was sat waiting now. for video to render yesterday, and I was like, oh, I'll have a look here, and I'll have a look. And like at the end of the day, it was like, you just knew you hadn't had a nose at summer. Mm. And it was like, oh, fucking Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, shite. And then I put Twitter on, I was like, what should I look at? Looked at the list of trending, Jim Davidson, Les Dennis. The usual things. It's just like, no. 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 I like Les Dennis. Yeah, I like Les Dennis, but I'm not obsessive about him, and I don't really want to go on Twitter and hear about him. Like Dustin Twitter Gino. now, everything, everything is political on Twitter, and mm. it doesn't matter what you're doing, everything is political. And if you say the wrong thing, all yeah. of a sudden, you're a bastard. I ended, Oh, I ended up in a thing on Twitter yesterday by mistake. Oh, I thought we'd stopped all this, strong arm. We did. No, we did. We absolutely did. It was just one little comment Yeah. where someone had said, um, I can't remember who they were complaining to, but they were saying, you know, they didn't think that Viagra adverts should be being shown when kids are watching telly. And I Unless thought, it's no, the one with Pele on. Is that what it is? There's a great one with Pele from the 90s, and at the end of it, he's like, I would. 
and it's just fantastic. <laughs> no, I don't think it's, it's a the bit new I one. like. Right, it's a new oh, one. Oh, Pele won't be in it. Anyway, someone was saying that, you know, uh, that this shouldn't be allowed on television. Someone was saying, oh, you can't hide these things from children. No, I thought, I thought I'd go with that. I, I don't think you should have bloody erectile dysfunction out I on don't. kids' telly. Because um, what I said to this person, quite simply, was I said, I think you're forgetting that... Because they said, all you need to say if your child asks a question is, you just say, it's a medicine that some people take. And I said, but you're forgetting that kids, whatever you say, have got the ultimate comeback, which is, Why? Which is all they say. Why drag them out of the world when they're watching the telly? This is it. And then this person started telling me, I think you should just be honest. And said, what? I should say it's for people who can't get erections. We're talking about people who still believe in Father Christmas. They don't need to know about shagging, really. Well, they certainly don't need to know about things that affect, you know, chaps of a certain age and disposition. There's no need. Absolutely not. That's a big conversation. Yeah, anyway, this person said that because I'd said that, that I was an awful human being and they hoped I didn't have children and then blocked me. At which point I thought, oh. <laughs> it's a little extreme. I f- it did feel a little extreme. Um, so, yeah, so no, that I did dip a toe back in rather than just posting nice old stuff on Twitter. I thought, let's just have a little chat with someone. No, all of a sudden I was a complete bastard because I said that we shouldn't be teaching three-year-olds about erections. Which I stand by. I don't think yeah, we should. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's kind of a rule. Yeah, I, you'd hope it was. Fuck Twitter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just seriously, honestly. I mean, um, yeah, I, I went on there because there was some something about the show or something like that. I was like, oh, I need to put something out. But hmm. um, no. No. No, no. It, it literally is not a problem to avoid it. Whereas I can remember doing hours and days on it. It was like, you've got to stop this. Mm. And I couldn't stop it. There's also something about that X thing that is, is quite off-putting. Or well, it looks like a, a sex app on your phone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There's something I don't fancy about that. that. No. I've no idea what that's all about. But anyway, yeah, it's just bollocks. Well, that's I... Musk, isn't it? Musk has come up with this idea because he's got SpaceX and this X. Yeah. And so he thinks that now Twitter is just called X, so it can be the centre of everything. Mm. So, but it's, it's Twitter. I, I quite like the little blue bird thing. So, but suddenly mm. it's X. And it does, it looks just looks like you've got a dirty thing for looking at prostitutes on your telephone. Yeah, it certainly but... looks like a gentleman's club sign. It it does a dodgy one at that, not a nice a dodgy one. One, one where no. they have bog rolls hanging on the walls for you and stuff. One of those down near Hanover Street. That's the sort of thing, mm. yeah, which you wouldn't yeah. want to go to. Oh God, no! The scent of spunk and onions on the air. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, anyway, thank we're you. detracting from nice. Yeah, uh, I've been watching and ploughing my way through 1990, which mm. gets really good. I have to say, series two is is phenomenally better. It is, isn't it? It really gets going. How far into it are you? Because I'm it not far episodes? off the end. Yeah, I mean, we've just had uh, the cheapest Austin Allegro blowing up you've ever seen. The Austin Allegro and the explosion are not in the same shot. Yeah. What I was thinking as well about 1990 that I don't think I mentioned last week was the couture. Because the suits, they've got funny lapels on them. It's obviously what people are wearing in 1990. Yeah. But one of the design choices that, you know, you have to justify these things when you're watching it is there's no buttons on the suits. They're all zips. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in my head, due to the trade embargo with the fascist UK government, they can't get buttons in this country. However, up in Nottinghamshire, the zip manufacturers are having a boom. 
There we and that's go. what I think, anyway. Uh, it could be that. Graham Gordon had a suit like that in the goodies, didn't he? It was all in one, and he just zipped it up, his suit. Yeah. That yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like the Thames goodies, me. They're the goodies for me. Really? Oh, I. I wasn't aware of those. I was only aware of the London Weekend television ones. That's what I'm on about. Oh, I see. Right, go on. Yeah, of course they're LWT. Yeah, yeah. Brill. But LWT was great output, that 5.15 slot on a Saturday. LWT, who made Manhunt, which mm. you've just ordered, which, yeah, uh, yeah. again, a phenomenal series. Yeah. Um, I was doing a little bit of reading on that one, right? And they did this lovely thing that used to happen in the early 70s, especially, where you'd, you'd get your actors in, you go, right, chaps, we're going to do six weeks. And then you get about four weeks in, you go, this is good fun, isn't it? Should we do another six? Yeah, all right, let's do that. So then they extend it. And then, okay, we're nearly at the end of contract. Should we just keep going? And so they do. They just keep going. So today, because I was thinking, I'm going to pause and wait for you to catch up. And I was on episode 12. And then I thought, right, hang on. I'm coming up to episode 13. And I'll bet they were all contracted for 13 episodes. So episode 13 is going to be a biggie. And at the end of it, it will be that any, you know, if we don't renew Barkworth's contract, it's fine. And, yeah, there we go. We get to episode 13, and suddenly you can just see it's end of series. Whereas they just went, should we keep going? Yeah, go on. They did that with um, Time Slip in 1970 as well, where they just hired everyone to do six episodes. And they got halfway through that, and they went, this is rather good. Should we just do another six? And they went, yeah, all right, let's do another six. By the time they're doing the second six, the first six are going out, and the audience go, this is good. And so, mm. oh, should we just keep going and see how many we can do? And they could just do that and extend it and allow the story to just broaden and mm. unweave. But this is when telly had this immediacy, of course, which it doesn't have now. Is there, how much is there of time slip? 26. Oh, they've got them all. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Is it 20? Yeah, it's 26. They've got them all. They've only got one in colour. But oh, then that's a shame. that was hit by the colour strikes. So originally. There were two that had been recorded in colour, and then they had to do a few extra scenes. But by the time they came to the extra scenes, the colour uh, the colour strike was on. So the actual master tapes were mostly colour and then a couple of scenes in black and white. So they went, well, we can't show them like that. Let's just make the whole episode black and white. And then, of course, immediately the American broadcasters went, well, we can't show that. That's black and white. So that's why you didn't get a second series. Mm. Mm. But it's it's lovely stuff. It's... I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I always get it mixed up with freewheelers for some mad reason. You know, the Ronald Lee Hunt. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Wendy Pabry is in that. Yeah. Well, there's only it's... a few of them, isn't there? Yeah. They've, they've wiped a fair few series of that. But, uh, but talking of which, so this week, uh, we, we lost someone who was a star of Kiddies TV back in the golden era. That's Peter Vaughan Clark, who was oh, one of the original Tomorrow Yes, people. yes, 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 oh. yes. That's a shame. Um, Peter Vaughan Clark, um, well, he's the original Tomorrow person in the first episode. Um, I think the first series, it, first episode, the first shot is him running through a proper East End market, barging into old women looking distressed. And the camera's really on a high shot. So I suspect that the, these aren't extras. They've basically said, run through the crowd and knock into old women who are all turning around looking quite cross. Um <laughs> As he breaks out to become uh, a tomorrow person. And they're homo superior. 
Um, and straight away, if you say that to anyone, they'd probably think of the David Bowie lyric in Oh, Oh You Pretty Things. Mm -hmm. There's that line about being homo superior, but it turns out that's because Bowie and Roger Price, who created the series, were really good mates. Wow. And so Peter Vaughan Clark uh, didn't audition for the role. He went to lunch. Oh, you've gone. Well, Paul appears to have disappeared. I'm not sure if he'll turn up on the audio recording. Um, and I'm not entirely certain what's happened. So, um... Right. Well, like I frequently said, dear, we need to record on wax cylinder. Well, yes. I don't know what happened there. No, just gremlins. What were we saying? Peter Vaughan Clark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Peter Vaughan Clark. Lovely yeah. fella. Tomorrow, people. Um, I think I was talking about Bowie and how uh, Roger uh, Roger Price, creator, etc. of the Tomorrow People, um, meets Peter Vaughan Clark for lunch. Bowie's there. And that's where the notion of homo superior is brought up for the first time. No audition. Walk straight in. And I was just asking you. So have you? Have, do you remember the series at all? Yeah, I mean, what I was, what I remember of the Tomorrow People. So I remember the hand opening in the titles. Oh. More than anything, that's my abiding memory. Obviously, before I could have categorised it as such, I was a font junkie. Yeah. So I well, always loved the lettering. Oh, the, the the opening titles. We'll put them in the third channel here, shall we? Mm. The, the opening titles with the theme music by Dudley Simpson with the hand opening and then images just travelling at a rate of knots towards screen. Oh, I loved lovely, lovely people. stuff. Loved it, but I don't remember a great deal about it, to be it was quite a, honest with you. It Apart was from a the main one. man. The mm. main man was a singer in a band called Flintlock. Who Mike Holloway. Yeah, who seemed to be in the looking every week. Yes. So Flintlock, I've no idea who the management was, uh, but obviously someone who was very well connected at ITV. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, the series itself, it is a mad one because you get some serials which are incredibly serious. There's one which is a Cold War uh, set piece um, with a young Tomorrow person who's broken out behind the Iron Curtain and gets kidnapped but it turns out that the KGB have implanted a small bomb inside her body and then the very final shot of that episode she runs jumps out a window and then naturally you think children's television we'll hear her poof off stage no you see her go out the window and explode in midair and die wow. uh, it's quite brutal but then you've got another one. Oh, he's gone again Ugh, this is interminable. Put another shilling in it, dear. <clears throat> well, it would appear that Uncle Paul needs to pay his telephone bill, and he has gone, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. So that's all we've got time for this week. It's it's typical. As soon as I pick the guitar up here, he, he appears. Um, yeah. I thought that would bring him back online, but clearly not. So... Uh, we hope you all enjoyed whatever that was, even though it was briefly curtailed due to Mr. Carmichael's internet, and we hope you all have a lovely week at home. So, until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice Things.